to the Love Life Church podcast and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So this morning, we're going to continue on the subject of the 10 lessons or 10 points from a storm rider. And we talked about Paul and how his life, his life is a a picture of, I wouldn't want to be that person. You know what I'm saying? He's got that life where you're like going, you know, Paul, I like the knowledge you have, but the journey you had was crazy. You know, getting beat, you know, three quarters of his ministry life, he's in prison. I mean, he's been shipwrecked three times. This guy, it's not like, uh, you know, you're sitting there going, hey, you know, Paul's good luck. Let's follow him. It, it's someone you're probably going to more go like, yeah, is there someone else we can follow? You know, but that was Paul's life. And it was, he's, he's powerful. I just, I love the apostle Paul. And so in the study, we were looking at the book of Acts chapter 27, and we're getting information from him in that in that history lesson, that story we read of how to deal with this mega storm, a storm that, you know, you think, well, well is, it gonna, is it over yet? And it continues on. It's raging. And so Paul is dealing with raging storms. And there are times in our life when, you know, we, we might have a, a storm here and there, but then there's one, you know, there's some storms you're like going, when's this going to quit? When is this going to quit? Is it ever going to get light? Is it ever going to stop raining? Now, you know, in the natural, that's not something you hear a lot here, you know. But in, you know, if you go to areas where you're closer to the equator, you know, they might have like 20 sunny days, you know. And we won't even have 20 raining days. But the point is, is there are times in our own lives where we're like going, you know, come on, come on. And I know a lot of you feel that way. I know there's many there's and actually over the past three months, we've hit over 10,000 people that are being viewing, connecting. And that's through live stream, YouTube, Facebook, podcasts. I mean, over 10,000 people now. Three months ago, before, a little over three months ago, four months ago, that wasn't happening. We were ministering to here, and then whoever ministered outside these walls, that's who we were reaching. So a lot of people look at the, the pandemic as, as something horrific and terrible, which I do, but I also see it as something awesome for our ministry. And, and, and I don't say that in a way where I'm trying to push aside all the evil and all the sad things that have happened. I'm saying it as what God, what, what the enemy meant for evil for this ministry, God turned it out for good. Now I said ministry, all right? Because there's no in the world I'm going to look at and say, hey, I've really enjoyed this time. Because I, I haven't. I, you know, I can't, you know, there's maybe, uh, maybe one or two times where I, I felt worse than this, which is very difficult to feel worse in my life. And so here I am in this place where you're like going, come on, man, is, is there going to be a slowing down of this storm? And I have, 
I have complete confidence in my heart that yes, of course there is. You know, it, it, this nation has gone through all kinds of ugly over you know, a few hundred years. And it's gone through depressions. It's gone through times where you looked at and you think, well, we're never gonna make it out of this. Diseases, I mean, all kinds of crazy things. But guess what? We do prevail. We will prevail. So there is light at the end of this storm. And the truth is the light's always been shining. It's just, we've got to get our heads above the clouds and you'll see it. The sun doesn't quit shining. It will never quit shining. So we're going to finish off. We'll go over a little recap, but I was looking at storms. I noticed when I wanted to know a key word that's used a lot in storms. And you know what the word is? Messy. Because I'd see, I, I looked at storms and then keywords and messy was one used quite a bit. And so they give you, I looked up messy storms and then you see all these new newscasts, weather departments and news where they're saying, and the storm was messy and the messy and messy and it was messy and it made a mess and, and just over and over and over. And I'm thinking, you know what? That is a picture of what a storm does. It, it's not really something clean or smooth. It gets messy, doesn't it? And so you look at the Paul's experience, that's a messy time, is it not? I was looking at the, the words for messy and it's marked by confusion, chaotic, disarray, disorder, untidy, uh, lacking neatness. Uh, wait a minute, am I talking about my son's bedrooms? What, what, is, what, what is this? <laughs> Extremely unpleasant. No, I'm not talking about their rooms now. But, the, the, but what we have is, is we have, it's, it's, everything's everywhere, right? And so can't, can you in your life right now see periods of time or even maybe right now where, where you're like, it's, it's a mess right now. You know, it's a mess. And, and believe me, come on, be truthful because y'all know even at home. Listen, we had hundreds that come here and you have, an, you have a habit of getting up in the morning getting yourself and your children, your family ready, coming here to church. And there's accountability, there's one another, the connection of people, and then you leave. But now most of our people, you don't have that anymore. You just have your will and choice to say, should I get up or I'll watch it on YouTube at two in the afternoon instead of getting up early. And, and believe me, I know that's happening. I know for sure. And there's quite a few of you that figure, no, we're going fishing. We're going camping. We're, we, you know, hey, we'll catch, the, we'll catch the service later. But do you? You know, it's like working out. You want to start getting healthy. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it tomorrow. But do you? Because I'm going to tell you right now, statistically, you ain't doing it. Statistically, now there are a few of you that are, but statistically, you're not. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's affecting your life. Why? Because Scripture tells us this is an important thing to do. Why would Scripture tell us to never get to a place where you don't make a habit of it and it not be an issue? I, listen to me carefully. And I know you're watching, so 
I'm not really talking to you. I'm talking to the friends that you know and the other people that go to church that you already know, they're out at the lake right now. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying it. it is if you've done it two times, three times this month. Why is it wrong? Because I can't. That's why. You want to be real? So anyway, we have this picture of a mess. And what, when I was looking that I was thinking, you know what? When it comes down to messes, we make a lot of them, right, in life. We've been in a lot of messes, right? And I thought about that. You know, I, I, most all the time when I'm doing this with myself, I then, I, I then connect or relate to the picture of Jesus for my understanding and my view. And I will always start off at foundation. I've, it's a principle I've learned a long time ago. And that is if you want to get a, a real basis of truth, Start at the very beginning, start at the base, and then build your way up. And most Christians, and, and even it's a, a religious thing, that you, you're always shooting for answers up in, up in this level. And that's when things get off. That's when you input your own opinions, your own viewpoints, because ultimately when you stay on track of foundation of truth, you stay on track as you build or you're, you're moving forward in information. So I will always, foundation information is always based with me is this. And I, I want you to understand that it should be yours too. For God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. That is the foundation. You, you, you build on anything other than that, you're gonna get off. You're gonna get into legalism. You're gonna get into works. You're gonna start creating your own viewpoints of, of how you view grace and how you view healing. And it just goes crazy. But when you get down to the place where God loves you, now build upon that. He talks about his love. He talks about his great love. It talks about his grace. He talks about mercy. But it's always tied to him and not us. And so when I do that, I start building actually uh, like a court case to back my belief that will not become moved. I'm stabilizing my belief and my, my passion of what I see and what I'm perceiving as far as a believer. And so I start building upon that and I start seeing, okay, messy lives, mess, mess, mess. And then I look at Jesus and I think, what did Jesus come here to do? Because I believe most Christians believe that Jesus came to fix our messes. And right now there's probably many of you going, yeah, didn't he do that? No, not necessarily. And I'm not saying this to get you to think that he doesn't care about your mess because he does, he said he did. He said, God cares about your mess. Cast all your messes to him, right? Didn't he say that? But God didn't, or Jesus didn't come to fix your mess. He didn't. He came to help you, give you the ability to fix your mess. You notice when he came to the disciples, he didn't say, tell me your messes, I'll fix them. 
No, he said, follow me and I'll make you. Follow me. Were they filled with messes? Oh my gosh. Were they filled, were the disciples filled with messes? Oh man, all kinds of messes. But what it, Jesus is looking at 12 messes. I mean, listen, y'all know this. We got the Bible, we read it. These guys were messed up, some worse than us. I mean, I know I've thrown a fit at God before, but I've never denied him and go, I don't believe in Jesus. Never done that. And I've, I've had some times where early on in my walk, remember I talk about the time when, when man, the enemy took me out and I was, I, was, I was backsliding all the way. But I never would sit there. I would never, no matter what I was doing, I would never say, I don't believe in Jesus. No way in the world. That wouldn't happen. Peter did three times. And he was with him personally. He saw everything. He was a part of the ministry. Oh my gosh. He was the inner part of the ministry. He was the inner three that got to see special things. And Jesus is looking at these guys filled with messes. And he doesn't sit there and go, I will make sure none of you have messes again. He didn't say that. He didn't say, all of you line up and we'll pray over your messes. And we'll fix them right now. He didn't say that. What did he say? Follow me. And then I look at that and I go, okay, how am I? Because Jesus' next information to us is, is like the disciples. Or those that were standing there asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. How are we supposed to talk to God? And Jesus said, you do it this way. Say, Father. Father. This is crazy stuff as far as the time period and where they're at right now. We're not talking about Christians. We're not talking about people that have received Jesus. Jesus is standing right there. And what does he tell them? He tells them, go in with your life the way it is and say, Father, not Holy God, gracious God in heaven. No, he said, this is how, say, Father. It's an awesome word because it also is the root word meaning parent. Parent, which we relate to as not someone that just is able to make a baby. We relate to him as a dad, as a papa. Someone that's there to help, a nourisher a builder, a protector, a guider. Guess what? That's what the Greek word father means. Those are the definitions of it. And that's what Jesus is telling us to do. That's beautiful, is it not? So we look at that and I think, here Jesus is, is trying to get us to understand that he's our dad. I mean, it's very clear that we are we are now the children of God. When you receive Jesus, you are a child of God and you can cry out to him, Abba or Papa or Daddy. And that's what you can speak to. The, 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 the God that created everything. And we can communicate to him. We can talk to him just like that. That's powerful. 
But when we start relating to natural principles and spiritual truths, then you start relating in a different way because now I look at my life as a dad and I say, what do I want for my kids? I want success. I want them to be successful. So do I want to fix a mess? No, not really. I want them to learn how to fix their mess. Because if I fix it, they'll never learn. Now there's a time period, right? Where I have to. But y'all know as your children grow, well, maybe not all, some of you don't have kids yet, but as your children grow, there's a small part that they can play at the age they're at. It can be tiny. It can be, because I remember doing this with my boys, is, is that they're, you know, just starting to walk and, and they have their blankie or something sitting there. I'll just say, pick it up and we're going to put it up. And they'll, you know, drag it three feet and drop it, you know, and no, 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 pick it up. And, and what are you doing? Well, you're, you're showing them there's a process. And fast forward, you know, 14, 16 years later, and they're still learning. Pick it up. <laughs> what did I mess up here? But the thing is, is, is there's a process, Right. And when I look at scripture and I look at the teachings, I recognize, wait a minute, most Christians, we're just waiting for God to fix it and so we can keep doing what we do. And that is the farthest definition of success that there ever could be. He wants you successful. He wants you overcoming. He wants you winning in life. You can't win or overcome in life if you're getting bailed out it just ain't going to happen. You're going to have to have the, the ability to be responsible. And that's what I see Jesus showing us in his word. And, and a good parent understands these principles. They do. They understand it and they're doing what they can, the best they can, to help their kids be responsible and learn how to fix a mess. Right? Hey, listen, I know parents that fix every mess their children have. And I can tell you right now, most of those kids end up in prison. Talking out of knowledge and history of doing ministry over the years. Bailing their kids out constantly, over and over and over, never having to deal with the responsibility, their lives become messed up. Sad picture, isn't it? Philippians 1.6 says this, and I love this scripture. Being confident of this, that he who has began a good work in you. Everybody say, in me. Being confident. See, I believe that you can't have confidence with the wrong picture of God. I don't, I, there's confidence... It's, it's very difficult to stay confident. But when we have a picture of what the Bible truly shares with us concerning our Father, concerning Jesus, concerning the truths of God's Word, then we start realizing, wait a minute, this gets more to the understanding that I need to start learning and taking the information I'm getting, applying it, and having the benefit of applying that knowledge. Isn't that a natural picture of life? Yeah. 
but that comes from a spiritual truth of life. So somehow it's been flipped, and I believe that's what religion has done. It's flipped the truth to ultimately what happens. We start blaming God. We start having all these different viewpoints of God. We start having all these difficult connections with God. And ultimately, we're, 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 we're just, we can't connect with him. But this scripture doesn't show that type of, of information. If anything, we should be getting closer to him, not further away. I get it. I understand a lot of people in how they're confused and frustrated and, and living a life that's, that is messed up, being a, a believer because of the wrong teaching, because of religion, because of just goofy man-made viewpoints. And I get it. I've been there. You know, I've got, you know, some uh, two years of Bible college that, that screwed me up. Well, it didn't screw me up, but it, it didn't help. The point is, is I, 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 can, I can understand exactly what you're feeling because I've been there. And so what we do here, what we've done in Love Life for quite a few years now is, is, is became a washing machine for people that need to be cleansed from this stuff. And y'all know a washing machine doesn't just wash. It bounced around, jerked around. Why? Because that's the only way you're going to get it clean, the clothes clean. So what we do is we shake people. No, I'm just kidding. But what it does is, it does it not? It, it shakes you. You start getting information. It starts shaking you. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because ultimately, you're going to come out clean. Clean. Amen? And everybody loves to smell clean things, right? All right, please be louder than that. Don't think it's, you want to smell dirty, right? I don't think so. All right. He says, being this confident of this thing, he who has began a good work in you, that's on the inside. That's not you doing it. That's he who has begun a work in you. Ever say in me. That's in you. Not an outward work, an inward work. An inward work will produce an outward work. He has begun a work in me, Right? He will carry it on to completion. Everybody say completion. completion. Say completion. All right, think about that. He's begun a good work, and he's going to complete that good work. What are we seeing? We're seeing the Father completes a process. But we're looking for a snap, a, a walk. Okay, done. No, it's a process. He's going to complete this work in me. So there are times when you're going, God, I don't know how you're, I don't know how you're ever going to use me. I don't know how you're ever going to, and, and that's just me. That's what happens. You start getting on your woe is me and uh, instead of looking what the Bible teaches. And when you start looking at the Bible teaches, all of a sudden those messy experiences, the messy part of life. Now you start realizing, wait a minute, he ain't done with me. He ain't done with me. You need to hear this well. Because no matter where you're at right now in your Christian walk, if it's brand new or if you've been doing this for 30, 40, 50, 80 years, he's still working on you. And if he's not, it's you, not him. It's, a, it's how you're perceiving this, how you're thinking. But he doesn't quit. 
He's going to complete what he started. You may think, well, then I don't feel, I don't experiencing anything. No, he's working. You just, your decisions are delaying your experience of the goodness he's doing in your life. I said, he's doing it now. But because you make bad choices, that doesn't stop. He doesn't throw his hands up and go, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Try this over and over. That's not God. I'm telling you, that's not God. That's religion talking. But that's not God. What is he doing? He's still working. You just got to get caught up to what he's continued to work on. There's always hope for you, wherever you're at. That's why when people receive Jesus, they're new in the faith. Man, I, I do everything I can to get them to chill because the Christians all around them are doing everything they can to make them like them. And they're brand new. Could you imagine bringing in your little brand new baby and all of a sudden where, you know, everybody gets around them and starts, get up, walk, walk, we all walk, you walk. No, but see, that's what we do. We go, that's freaky, that's wrong. Exactly. But all of a sudden, because we're church people, we can do that dumb stuff and everybody likes it. Why? Because that's how religion works. And it can't be that way. There is no one in here at the same level as everybody. We're all different levels. Every one of us. You even know, even in school, even in school, there are people that are taking the same class. You know, it might be pre-algebra and they should be in arithmetic still. Especially if you go to public school. Anyway, isn't that true? Isn't that true? We're all, there's, everybody's in the same class hearing the same message. And some are flying in it, some are getting through, some are sleeping. What's up? That is a picture of life. I don't care what country you're in. I don't care what language you speak. That's what's going on everywhere. Not everybody learns at the same pace. It doesn't mean that we're created that way. It's because of our life, our choices, our upbringing. I believe every child is a, is a rocket scientist. Every child, no matter where they're born on this earth, they are created in the image of God and every single child that's birthed on this earth has the ability to be the greatest. Great in everything. What happens? A lot of nasty, poverty. There's all kinds of ugly things. Governments. You can't tell me that, that every country in here is a good country. There's country in our, in our world that hate the female race. Hate the female race. You guys have heard of Afghanistan, right? You've heard of countries where they literally don't want women to even have schooling. Don't, don't look at this world like it's so special in the sense of we all are. No, we're not. We all are messed up, right? Messed up. So what do we do? We recognize the wrong. We recognize the ugly. And we say, we ain't going that way. Each individual, each individual. Gosh, it's, it, it's so sad. It's so sad. Because I know 
I know the heart of the Father. And I know it, 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 his heart was never for it to be this way. His heart is how he wanted it to become. And I'm talking to believers right now. We receive Jesus for the sake of being back to the beginning like Adam and Eve, where we can hang out with the Father. How many Christians are hanging out with Dad? Not very many. It's not because of him. It's because of how we view him, how we believe he thinks, or we believe he feels, which is uh, actually us trying to make God think and feel the same way we do. But he doesn't feel that way. There's nothing more precious than Jesus. Send him to die for you. Don't ever forget that. 10 lessons from a storm rider. The first one we learned is we've got to listen to godly counsel. You got to listen to experience. You got to listen to people that they, they know what they're talking about, right? That's so important to understand that truth. The second thing is, is when you follow the crowd over God, it's always going to end up bad. Always. Listen, not sometimes, all the time. You follow the crowd over what God says, what his word says, it's not going to be good. It's going to end up bad. Third thing, in the storm, it's sometimes good to lighten the load. And we saw the story, how it's getting really, I mean, we're talking about the, they're in a storm, but all of a sudden they start saying it becomes fiercer. It's getting worse. So they do what? Start dumping over stuff that's non-essential. Sometimes in storms, you got to look around and say, do we really need this? Do, we, do I really need to have this second jet ski? Do I really, you know, I'm just saying that just in case you want to give it over here, but you know. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to someone about jet skis. No, just kidding. I'm too busy for that right now. The point, the point is, is it, it, there are times when you need to look at life and go, you know what? Let, let's lighten this load. Let's lighten up right now. I mean, the storm is, is bad enough. Do I need to add more to the credit card debt? Uh-oh, I'm talking to someone out there. Do I need to do that? Lighten the load, amen? The fourth thing, you need to focus not on the darkness, the storm you're in. And we saw how it became dark and the sun and the stars were lost because of the storm. I mean, day and night stay dark while they're in the storm. Can you imagine that? I, I can't. I mean, I've been in some really, I've been in some bad storms, but nothing like that. Where we're talking days where it's just dark day and night. Wow. And what did they do? They started to lose hope. You focus on the darkness. Doesn't matter how messy it is right now. If you focus in the darkness, you will lose hope. You can't lose hope. Never. Never lose hope. Never. 
One thing I've learned over the years is, is that if you stumble, if you fall, if you trip, if it gets dark, whatever, don't stop moving forward. It's not about you. I, I understand the thoughts you have, and I understand the, the, the fear, and I understand the anxiety. I understand the belief that God's mad, or, or this is your 80th time to do this, and and 80 times you said you'd never do it again. I understand the thoughts of 80 times, man. I know this, it can't, he can't believe. See, that's the problem, you don't know. You're saying you do, but you don't know. Because he does believe in you. Yeah, but 80 times? All right, let me make it 100 times. I'll even increase it to 100. 100 times, saying you won't do it again and you do it? Come on, what are you thinking? I know what most everybody's thinking. There's no way he's gonna believe you will. No way he believes you're speaking truth. I'm telling you scripturally, yes, he does. He does. I don't believe you're lying to him. Oh, let me see if I can pull one over God. I promise I'll never do it again. I swear I'll never do it again. No, I believe you're saying that from your heart. I believe you're literally mean. You're not going to. You're not, you don't want to. And you know what? I know that's what God, God believes and what he sees and what he hears. And when you do mess up, I know this for a fact, scripturally, that he isn't going, you lied to me. You told me you wouldn't do it again. I know he's not doing that. The quicker you get hold of that truth, the quicker you're gonna move into a different life with the papa, with father. I'm telling you right now. Because the devil right away wants you to have a fear of him, wants you to question him. It's what the devil does. There's no way he can love you. There's no way. You said that last week. No way, no way. And he'll do that. But we've got to overcome that voice with this real voice. This voice that doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, and forever. How cool is that? See, this message is a, is a Bible relationship to the Father message. In other words, it's a good life. You mix this with religion, it's filled with legalism, works, it's filled with, do I pray enough, do I read enough, do I do this, do I do that? It's filled with ugly, which anybody can get tired of, and which anybody can point fingers and, and say, that's terrible, and that's judgmental, and you guys are this way, and you guys are that way. Believe me, you're saying it, I say the same thing. I agree with you. I agree with most people, most Christians are just that way. I believe that. I'm with you. You might not believe in Jesus, I do, but guess what? The way you're thinking about most Christians and most churches, I agree with you. I agree. What are you gonna do with that now? I don't believe that a lot of people are doing it out of a bad heart. I just believe it's just ignorance of truth. But I don't believe it's mostly out of a bad heart. I just, people get goofy. And don't act like you don't. Everybody can get goofy, amen? The fifth thing is choose joy. Paul said, here they are in the midst of this. They're, they're, they, they haven't been eating. They're, I mean, they're in a place where they're weak, storm, darkness, 
fear. And Paul goes, throw a party, guys. Choose joy, get happy. This stuff doesn't make sense, does it? If you think it makes sense, man, you need to you know, help me. Because when I hear stuff like this, and we're talking about, oh, listen, the, the story's the story. The picture's the picture. These guys for weeks are in this mega storm. They are seeing life pass them by. Hope is being lost. And Paul says, hey guys, be happy. That's when you want to throw someone overboard. That's when you want to like going, that pastor's got too much of a smile out of here. But listen, he's communicating what I believe we need to hear. And that is what? Truth from God's word. Truth from God's word. You know the scripture I just read in, what was it? Philippians 1, 6. Be confident, it's a very good thing that what God started, he's going to complete. That Philippian, that letter was written 10 years later from Paul's visit and start of that church. 10 years later, he writes a letter to them. Is that amazing? 10 years. He, saw, he talks before that and started, he's telling them, I pray for you guys all the time. I pray for you. I'm believing God for you. And this is 10 years he has He's in prison writing this. But we don't picture this. We don't see this, mostly because we don't know it. But it's, it's a reality of what's happening. They get this letter, and it becomes so precious to this church that they start making copies of it, you know, and passing it around to one another. But can you imagine that 10 years later, the Apostle Paul's writing you and saying, hey, don't worry about it. What God started, he's going to complete. I don't know about you, but that would make me feel, oh, man, that's good. Paul's thinking about us. Man, how awesome is that? Yeah, where's he at? He's been gone. Well, he's in prison. That's weird, huh? Praise God for the word. Amen. So he says to choose joy. Verse 22 of chapter 27, it says, I urge you to be of good cheer. He says, after that, for there will be no loss among you. We're only going to lose the ship. Who cares about the ship? I mean, think about it. I, what are you going to flip a coin and go, I don't know. I'd rather die than lose the ship. No one. We're not going to be that way. We're all like going, who cares about the ship? I want to be, I want to live. You know, we'll get another ship later. We'll get a ship with full drive and get it, you know, lifted up a few inches. and We'll get a better ship, amen? I'm trying to relate to life as today, okay? Don't worry about the vehicle. Don't worry about the house. Don't worry about all that stuff. Your life is more precious than things and stuff. I love what Jesus says. He says, you guys quit worrying about what you eat and what you drink and what you're, what you're going to eat, where? Where you're going to sleep? I mean, he's just sitting there going, don't worry about all this stuff. And what do we do? We are constantly worried about stuff. Are we not? Constantly. And what did Jesus say? He said this, don't fear. And actually in the Greek it says, don't take it. Don't take fear. 
I mean, if fear is standing out there and I see it, I'm, I don't think ever I'm going to go up and say, come here, fear. Come here. I want you. Come closer. I, I wouldn't do that. And here Jesus is saying, don't take fear. Don't take fear. Don't be fearful for anything. For what? Anything. Do not allow fear. It's over 300 times in Scripture, don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. I'll do it 300 times. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. No, really. I mean, the Bible's very clear. Do not fear. Don't fear. Come on, family. Don't fear. Don't fear. Yeah, but. No. Take your butt out of the equation. Don't fear. Believe in Jesus. Believe his word. He said, don't fear. Your father knows you need these things. He knows you need all this stuff. He's a good God, a good dad. He knows how to take care of his family. He said, don't fear. Don't worry about that. Your father knows you need these things. All you need to realize is pay attention to this kingdom. How does this kingdom work? Prioritize the kingdom. Prioritize the kingdom. Why? God says he'll take care of. What does that mean? He'll take care of it. He's going to present to us manna from heaven that we don't have to cook or do anything about our refrigerator, that he's, there's going to be supernaturally angel food appearing. I mean, use common sense. What does it mean? It means that blessings will come so I can fill my refrigerator from Safeway or fries or bashes, wherever you want to go grocery shopping, God will take care of that. My clothes. It never said clothes that as long as they're not above Walmart pricing. It didn't say that. Nowhere in scripture. And as a matter of fact, what Jesus wore was not no Walmart clothes. If you're wearing Walmart clothes, I'm not banging on you, all right? <laughs> I wouldn't even know if you're wearing Walmart clothes. I'm just thinking Walmart's pretty cheap, right? I mean, you can go in and get a shirt for 10 bucks at Walmart, right? Okay, uh, there's some other stores that you can't. Unless it's like a kid's t-shirt, one. But the point is, is what? That the scripture is very clear that Jesus's coat he wore was mega valuable. So if Jesus, if the Lord's wanting us to wear cheap, you, you would have think he went to Jerusalem Salvation Army and picked something off the rack. You know, it had a little smell to it. You know how that stuff works. You don't smell normal in any of those places. Does Salvation Army or any of those other places smell like if you walked into Nordstrom's or something? No, it don't have the same smell, does it? No, it's got someone else's body from someone else's body from someone else's body from someone else's body. Alive or dead. <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't know. Salvation Army. We, we drop off a lot of stuff. All right, moving right along. Choose joy. Number six, don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. Believe God. What? Don't fear. Believe God. Don't what? Don't fear. Believe God. Paul says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I got a ministry to finish. Don't be afraid. God's called me to do this. This is so awesome because when it literally states don't fear, there's always the connection with God doing something. Don't fear. Your father knows you need these things. Don't fear little flock. 
don't fear. And then there's the, the equation of why you don't need to. I love that. I love it. Don't fear. Amen. The number seven is, is live a life of faith. Believe in God and his word. Live a life of faith. Believe in God and his word. Verse 25. So keep up your courage, men. Faith. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I believe. Say, I believe. Come on, you got messes in your life, right? The things are in turmoil. Maybe not as, as, as messy as someone else, but it don't matter. A mess is a mess. It's out of order. Something's not lined up correctly. There's a little confusion there. It, we all deal with it something, somewhere. There's messes. Every day we have a mess challenge. Every day. Like I said, it... A mess isn't defined by how big it is. It's defined by something out of order, something out of place. Could you walk into a clean room? Everything's all nice and, and, and lovely and the bed's all made. And there'd be one pair of underwear sitting on the floor. Does anybody, does anybody look in their room seeing that and go, no big deal to me. Oh, only I do that? Okay, let's move right along. Pastor Lau notices that this place is out of order right away. Out of order. That's out of order. No, this room is beautiful. There's just some chonies right there. That's all. Little one undie. One undie ain't no big deal. Here, let me fix that. All right, we're good. We're good. No, but you see what I'm saying? But the, no, no, are you hearing the parable for today? What does it do? That one little undie is a mess. Or you can go into a room that there, it's like a tornado went in there. And it's all everywhere. Just the, the even the mattress is halfway on the bed. And there's just coals everywhere. And you walk in, you're like going, whoa. That's a mess, correct? It's just a bigger one. Might take a little more effort to take care of that one, but it still can be taken care of. Amen? Amen? So we have to have faith. We have to have faith. Right? Hebrews 11 one says faith is. Faith is what? Faith is the confident expectation. Confident expectation. Confident expectation, right? You're in a storm. Let's start having confident expectation. Of what? Confident expectation of things not seen. How many of you have been daily going, you know what, everything's good. We're, we're gonna, it, it's all good. And I know that's, the, even saying that, it's sort of like, well, what are you, crazy? But see, why not? See, if faith is speaking what you expect, but not seeing, why aren't we? Because we're afraid to be called crazy? Why well, didn't say you have, to, you have to do it in fries? Hey, don't worry about it. Everything's perfect. There's nothing wrong out there. That would be dumb. All right? But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you. Can you start seeing? Can you start perceiving? Can you start recognizing? Wait a minute. It's all good. 
We're overcomers. We're victorious. I'm living forever. I'm not denying an issue. I'm not denying a problem. But I am looking at things in a different light. Or do I, I just stay the same? Well, it was me and let's get on Facebook and whine towards each other. I don't know why I bag on Facebook. I don't even do Facebook, but anyway. The point is, is this. We're all good. I mean, we're majorly great at complaining. Why can't we be good at building? What, what's wrong? See, we can reason away this type of talk. We can reason away this. But when it comes to distraction, confusion, speaking evil, ugly, lie, deception, we don't have a problem with it. We'll even care for the person that's communicating that way. That, that doesn't make sense to me. Let's, let's put the brakes on that goofiness. Let's be the ones where other people are going, you're weird. But I guarantee you, when you're walking this life correctly, people don't see it as normal. I'm not talking about a religious, goofy person. I'm talking about someone that actually has a smile on their face because on the inside, they're okay. Just saying, all right, just saying. Number eight is we need to lean into God. Not ourselves, not our own opinions. We need to lean into God. Remember, Paul said, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. What did they do? They looked to their own understanding. What did they say? They said, oh my gosh, it's getting worse. The storm is getting worse. It's not going to get better. Now, let me see. Did I put this down? Verse 27, on the 14th night, two weeks, we're still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took sounds again, found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. I mean, this is getting bad. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea. What? They pretended they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. There's some guys that are trying to escape. They're like going, we're not going to make it. We're going to die. So they get in night and they try to pretend they're letting down anchors. They're actually letting down the boats to get inside them. This is, this is like, I would see a movie like this. It'd be awesome. And look at this. They were pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion, and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. That's amazing. Paul's a tattletale. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, they're, they're sneaky. Didn't it not say they're pretending to do something, but actually they're trying to escape? What, the, what he, Paul tells the centurion and soldiers, what are they doing? They're thinking they're lowering down more anchors. Paul's like gone. That ain't no anchor. 
uh-uh. So he goes to them and says, if they go, y'all die. Wow, is that awesome? That's amazing. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. So he just went, that lifeboat, those other guys, can you imagine what they were feeling? Oh my God, we're never gonna make it. But Paul said, you all gotta stay in the ship. Wait a minute. Why? Because that's where God's grace and salvation was. Got a messy ship? Messy problems in life? Isn't that something we all want to do is we want to bail? Jump in the boat while everybody else stays in the messy ship? That messy marriage ship? Whoops. That messy job ship? Whoops. That messy city, that messy state, that messy country? I mean, think about it. Messy, messy, messy. And what do we do in the natural? We want to run. And Paul says what God shared with him. We all get saved if we stay together. We're going to be delivered if we stay together. We're going to live and stay together if we stay together. But if you start jumping, everybody starts running, you all lose your life. He didn't say, I'm going to die. Paul's like going, I ain't dying. You all dying. And the only reason why you ain't dying is because I'm on the ship. You don't think you have power, Christian? I'm telling you right now. When, when we travel, when my family travels, we know everything's going to be all right. All the people on the plane, they don't know how safe they are if I get on that plane. They don't. I'm serious. Just like you. I'm telling you. They don't, they don't understand how safe it is. We'll go and we'll get in some, you know, turbulence or messing. And I'm like going, dun, 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 dun. People are going, we're going to die. No, we're not. I'm on this boat, ship, plane. Babe, listen, you don't know. God has got some awesome things for you in your life. Don't lean to your own opinions. Lean into God. The ninth thing. Health matters. Paul said, you guys, you haven't been eating. None of you have been eating. It's time to eat. Remember Shred? Shred, what's Shred? Exactly, exactly, exactly. You got your Doritos out there right now, and we're talking, it's not even 12 yet, and you're watching me eating Doritos. Save some for me. No. But do you hear what I'm saying? We lose sight of, and Paul says, listen, it's time to eat. It's good for your health. That's what he said. It's time to eat. Your health needs it. So he blesses it, and they eat. In the midst of the storm, people. In the midst of the storm. You got to do what? You got to start, right? You got to recognize the importance of health. You got to renew your mind to that understanding. You got to exercise and be disciplined. Shred. I just told you shred. You guys forget about this already? S-H-R-E-D. And I lost 10 pounds that I wanted to lose. What up with that? I'm moving on for more areas. I'll find some. Hey, I'm telling you, you I don't do that just to do it. Hey, let's just talk about shred. Let's talk about being healthy. 
and give you all the statistics of why it's important, give you all the statistics to prove that your immunity stays strong. No, 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 I don't do that just to do that. I do it because I love you and I want you healthy. Everybody. I don't want anybody in there unhealthy. But it starts with, what are you putting in your body? It does. What are you eating? And I know we're going to dismiss and you're going to lunch and I'm screwing with some of your lunches. <laughs> I'm going to screw with your lunch because I love you too much. I'm just saying, just pay attention. That's all. Okay? Your health matters. Psychologists say this. Stress causes some people to ignore their hunger and refrain from eating for long stretches. For other people, stress turns them into emotional eaters who mindlessly munch. Some people overeat when they feel stressed. Other people lose track of their appetite. Those who stop eating are so focused on their stress that they don't hear or tune into their hunger cues. Those who overeat are attempting to distract themselves with food. You went in all GQ and now you look like a pot belly fool. Because of no discipline. Or you're allowing yourself to not eat correctly because of all the stress and anxiety. The storm is screwing with you. I want you healthy. Let's stop it now, okay? Let's get back on track. We started this year great. We started this year with focus on health, focus on spiritual strength and health, and we're, we're going into this thing with a power, and all of a sudden we get this bump in the road, and then we just, you know, it ain't one taco, we're back to 20. I'm talking about minis. I'm talking about full-blown 20 tacos. Why? Because you lose the purpose of understanding the importance of the day. You guys, you hear me. You understand what I talk about, the importance of today. I drilled that into our interns. The most important, important understanding you need to understand is the power of today. Because that's all that matters. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Today matters, amen? Today. So we look at this, we need to understand this. The 10th thing is probably one of the most important. They see land, the ship gets stuck, and this is where the ship gets destroyed. Everybody jumps ship to swim to the land. The ship is broken in pieces. And there are many people on this ship that can't swim. And they say, grab hold of anything that you can. And it says that many of them grabbed hold of pieces of the ship. And what does that mean? That means that God can use broken pieces to save. See, some of you are those broken pieces, but there are people that need to hang on to you don't know that, but there are. You'd think a broken ship is irrelevant, but it saved the lives of some of them. Those pieces, that mess. I just need you to know that because a lot of you look at yourself as broken pieces. Many of you out there see yourself as a broken piece. What good am I? Well, it's in the story. 
It's God's word that says many were saved because of the broken pieces. I just believe that if we can turn our view differently about ourselves and not just keep looking at our mess, but recognizing that in the midst of this mess, and I might not be perfect, I'll never be perfect, God can use me in the midst of this broken piece, and he can use you. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for the word. And Lord, speaking to the many that are here and the thousands that are out there, I speak to their hearts and ask them to hear my words. Know that you are so valuable and so important that even if you're a broken piece, you can be used to save someone's life. There are people out there that they need to hang on to something and you're the only something that's around. You can't wait for perfect to help that person. They're drowning and they need you now. We can't look at ourselves as useless, even if we're broken from a storm. We need to understand that we can be used by God in this mess. I ask everybody in here this morning and everybody out there, if you've never received Jesus, here comes a peace floating to you right now. I want you to grab hold of this peace, this information, this truth for your life that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be delivered, saved, set free, healed, made whole, living eternally with him. But you've got to reach out for this peace. You've got to reach out for this truth. Call on the name of Jesus and receive eternal life. Receive your deliverance. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I call on your name right now. And I ask you to save me. Save me, Jesus. Deliver me, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time in here, you've never prayed this before. If you lift your hand, I want to pray with you. So if you prayed that prayer, just lift your hand. I have something for you as well. Okay, everybody in here is fine. If you prayed that prayer out there, touch the button. Click the button. Let us know that you received Jesus because we're going to be praying and believing God for you. I, we, I might not never get your name, but I'm telling you right now, we have over 200 people that got saved that we know of. And I know there's way more than that. I pray for you all the time. All the time, I pray for God's, God's blessing in your life, God's protection, God's, God's wisdom and knowledge to come into your heart and for you to be led to people that can help you grow and mature in the faith. That's my prayer over your life right now. So thank you for being bold and courageous enough in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.